welcome everybody to another episode of True Business Stories. Uh, we seem to be making habit of this, Mark. Uh, we've got a few on the go, and I know as I look in my book here, I've got 23 future interviews that oh, we're well, going to do. That's good. We've got, we've got quite a few up and running, so, so this is good. So that's going to keep us busy. But tell me, I guess, tell our listeners t- uh, today, Mark, who are we meeting with? Well, I'm really pleased that we're here today. I mean, uh, Russell Malishev from Malishev Homes. Russell's been a reluctant <laughs> guest, but um, he has a great story to tell. He's a, he's a well-recognised builder of luxury homes around Geelong and the Bellarine, so he's um, well admired in the industry. And uh, he has a great story. He doesn't think he does, but we know he does. So welcome, Russell. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, Russell. And did you notice in the foyer when we came in, and we did take a photo, and I guess we'll have to put that up on the internet, that the wall, Russell has to build a new wall. Yep, he's he's run out of space for his awards. For the awards. (laughs) And I did do some research, Russell, and the last count I saw was that housing industry awards, you've won 110. So I, I would assume it's probably moved on since that count. Right? You didn't go down the passageway. No. Oh. We've started another wall. Another wall. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, <laughs> we do. All right, Russell, tell, tell us, where, where, did, where was primary school? When you were a young whippersnapper, where did you first go to school? Bellpost Hill Primary School. Bellpost Hill. So what, what, uh, what brought you to Bellpost Hill? Oh, we lived in Bell Park, and that was the only school sort of more or less within walking distance. Okay, Good. and and um, we know your dad um, emigrated, escaped. I emigrated. Emigrated from where? China. China, and uh, which is interesting because um, uh, that was many many years ago where things were a bit rough. So, what brought him to Australia? What made him think of? Well, Australia? they had a choice. I believe that the uh, Chinese government or Chinese people, and mind you, that's only my belief. I don't know exactly, but they really didn't want. Uh, these people living in their country because uh, really if you look historically my grandparents fled the revolution the Russian revolution and they settled in China then the Chinese uh, authorities let's put it that way weren't really wanting these people there so we needed to move and there was quite a few countries that were open to us I believe one was Brazil America Australia and maybe some others and I believe there was somebody that my parents knew that was living in Australia and they all thought it was fabulous, so we came over here. Well, what a story. Yeah, well, uh, Mark, we've known Russell for a while, actually, haven't we? Yep. And he's a very generous man, I might add, and gives a a huge amount back to the community and we've been the beneficiary of that at some of the invitations we've had to the charity functions around Geelong, which is fantastic. But it's uh, one of the interesting stories that I believe is uh, should be an inspiration for a lot of other people um, was that uh, at a late age in life, as I call it, or mature age, you went to Ballarat University and did your MBA. What Correct. Prompt, what prompted that? I believe just a group of friends decided they were doing an MBA. And, uh, and I think more to at 45 years old, I thought to show my children that you know education is really good so i got my mba that's fantastic that's That's a great effort and that as i say that should be an inspiration for many others so looping back russell so your dad your dad comes to australia and what was his trade what did he start off as my father was in the old country basically self-sufficient farmer 
he would you know they if you didn't grow the wheat or you didn't have your farm animals you starved so you had to work when he came over here he did actually any job he could to support the family uh, he worked night shift at uh, Bermuds, which was uh, foundry. Yep. He worked, um, and during the day, he did pea picking. Wow. And then uh, he got a good job at uh, Donaghy Rope Works on Packerton Street. Oh, I remember that. Yes. That building? Yes, and yeah. it's a shopping centre now. Yep. I can tell you yep. a lot of stories about that one. Yep. Um, and he's st- basically always worked two jobs. And my brother um who didn't we went to school for a little bit but didn't really go to school he found himself working as a carpenter back in those days i don't believe it was an official apprenticeship as such like you go to school whatever you just actually learnt on the job so he was working on the job and uh he was living in melbourne and renting and he would come down on weekends and borrow money from my father to pay his rent he was a self-sufficient carpenter that didn't make enough money. Can you believe that? And my dad, being a wise man and he was always astute in doing things, he decided to work with my brother. And basically, I suppose my brother is the carpenter and my father learnt on the, on the tools from him. Wow. And where was, where was, the, first, uh, what was the first job they had or what was uh, the first store, home they built? Well, they did a lot of... Um, ministry frames they did a lot of for the volume i wouldn't call a volume back then it was guys that will take on a contract say ministry of housing in norlane for example and they would be doing uh, the frames there you know putting them up and they had a a gang a gang of probably eight or ten carpenters working with that because you've got to remember my father's the businessman and you know he knew all of those he he was strong as as an ox he he was Arnie Schwarzenegger without going to the gym. <laughs> when you have a look at his body, you know, he had muscles coming out. You wouldn't believe, you know, he was, he was totally. And that was purely from working. You know, one, guys would pick up a beam, you know, two of them or something. He'd put up two of them on his shoulder and carry him. And that's just the way he was. He worked the long hours and he did all that and, and helped the family. what prompted you to join the family? Uh, when I was growing up, there's no such thing as uh, school sports. Um, you've got uh, carnival happening, you're yeah. going to work, yeah. you know, and I, and I worked. And to be fair to Dad, he gave us a great work ethic, but he always paid us. Never was it for free, you know, he needed help. His family would be out there working with him. And uh, I suppose that's where I got the work ethic from, from my father. But physically, I wasn't a worker like him. So, you know, I, I wanted to go to school. Or he wanted us to go to school. So we had two choices. Either go to school or you're working on the tools. So so the brain took over. You're the, bra- the brainiac took over. Uh, I don't know if there was the brainiac, but uh, somebody had to do it. Um, uh, I suppose you're going to ask me when I started into the building. Yeah. Well, I think Malashift, did it start in 1985? Is that when it started? No, no, no. Or no. well before no, no, that? No, well before. My father yeah. was building... Uh, Everything was so different in the old days. There wasn't any of this paperwork and all this. I better be careful what I say because <laughs> rules I not swear. Well, it's beyond rule and, rules and regulations, regulations now. Uh, when you look at it, to get a simple uh, permit, 
takes you not only weeks, but the amount of paperwork and everything. In the old days, we'd have work drawing, have some engineering. The inspector, we take it in the counter, say Shia Kariah, looks back at the setbacks, looks at planning, bang, 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 you got your permit, right? Now, forget it. You, you can't probably even get a permit for a fence like that. But anyway, coming back, yeah. sorry. No, just uh, when I said 1985, I was definitely wrong there because I remember when we first moved to Geelong in the early 50s, I was only a tiny tacker, but there was that's when all those houses out in that area Yeah, in Kariah, there was a lot of, a lot uh, of it. But yeah. Yeah, back then what I was going to say is some of the guys built specs. A spec is a home for sale yeah. or they mm-hmm. built some units, kept them. My father and my brother always had one or two... Uh, specs going so they'll build a house and then they'll sell it um, one day uh, during school holidays there was no such thing as school holidays for me I was on the tools I got burnt so bad I couldn't work totally sunburnt and I went to Grovedale and we had two specs there one on either side of the road and next door was hooker homes and the guy had an open sale for sale We're standing there I'm looking at him and I'm thinking I'm going to go get a sign. So I went to the shop, bought some uh, paper, put for sale on the front, opened the door, and people came around and they said, how much? Anyway, cut a long story short, um, some couple came through and they said, how much to build on our land? I'm looking at them, I have no frigging idea. (laughs) So I went home and I went to ask my brother and he had no idea. He says, there's a box. You've got to remember it's a different time, a totally different time. There was no computing, there was nothing, everything was done in spreadsheets. Uh, Now, they they would uh, sell a spec, is the agent set the price? They had no idea what the cost of it was, they had no idea of the land. And then sometimes they sold it really well because the agent got them a good price, other times not so well. And then I would ask, well, how much does it cost? Because there's a box of invoices. And I said, how do you know that? They take it to the accountant, the accountant adds it all up. Anyway, that all changed over time. And I somehow um, used my spreadsheet, try to calculate this particular house anyway. The first house that we built to order, we lost some money on. We actually paid the people. And then after that, I decided, no, I've got to do courses. I did a lot of master builders estimating. All the different courses I could think of, I started doing. And that was my first training ground. Yeah, which takes us today, Mark, where, of course, Russell, uh, or the Mellership reputation in this region, is one of uh, prestige homes, high-value homes. Uh, and your reputation is, I guess, well-known for that if you want a, a real quality um, well-completed home, Mellorship's the first place to come and see. Well, thank you. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's funny when people uh, ask, you know, what inspired you? You know, look, a lot of people weren't the other way. They were there to make money. I it, Call it not so smart or something. I just wanted to build the best. I just wanted to build the best home or the best product. And I wanted, uh, you know, like design, we went did so many different things as you'd see in our showroom i'll take you around and show you that but you know it's always inspired to be the quality end rather than the cookie cutter turnover type stuff that everybody does and some of these estates you go to now i reckon if you're drunk you'll go to the wrong house (laughs) it's you know nearly every second house is about the same so how many houses do you think you've built russell over the oh i don't know thousands it's amazing a lot of homes but 
you, you got to remember though, in in the first early days, we were building probably twenty to forty at a time. Now we've all got right down to about twenty, and we only want yeah. You know, the market has changed a real lot. We used to employ our own carpenters back then when my dad was still alive. Um, now uh, most things are contract. Uh, we. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either, but it's just a different way of doing things. Well, you probably get the same contract guys. On oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We only use the quality guys. Yeah. Uh, look, we the, the 10 guys or whatever um, we had back in the days when they were on salary, they wanted to come out and be contractors, and they were contractors to us. Yeah. And in fact, one of them now is one of our building managers. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and he did his more or less apprenticeship with my father. Back then they were when, anyway, sort so of So is the labour shortage we keep reading about, is that, um, I guess if, if you've got your loyal contractors, that's a big help to you as far as getting labour. But it, are you seeing a real struggle with labour in the building industry? I believe so. Um, I don't really, I'm not involved in the construction side anymore. I've got, my brother looks after that and we've got... Uh, two building managers look after it but we don't you see we have the regular guys and what you find if you look after people do the right thing by them they generally look after you so when you get really stuck like for example i renovated and well we don't renovate my daughter's house now try and get some trades in this difficult time i've had i've got them uh, two of them even work sundays to get things done for me and that's because of loyalty. The right, and the relationship. Yeah, yeah relationship, yes. Yeah. Mark, cool. well, let's just change the subject for a minute because Russell's the first person I knew at the time who had a Tesla. Yeah, he was. And, I, and you've got a story, and I remember in his car one day uh, going around the corner and we went up towards the beach and he's not driving. The thing's steering itself. And I'm thinking, we're not going to turn around this corner. And... <laughs> I really got scared, but he did put his hand on the steering wheel before we turned right. As he had to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you, yeah. you, like, you like new things, don't you? You like new technology. That's one thing you, you do like. You do like your cars. Yes. You do like the technology that goes with Yes, it. and I've still got a classic, though. I've you got a V12. Yeah, no, you do have still a Still got a V12. No, he's, he's very good at that. So the other, the other part of your business, uh, Russell, that, uh, or probably a slightly separate part, is your uh, constructor software. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. Well, that started in about 1995. We used to use a particular package that most industry used, and I had so much issues with it, and every time I complained uh, to the company, and there was small business, basically two business partners that were working for a bigger corporation, they found that there was a marketplace for software. I'm very careful not to mention names. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Um, now, turn it off. Um, and I found, and what they said to me, you're the only one complaining. And, and they turned around and I said, well, give me some names. So they gave me some names around Australia and I started ringing up. And they were in the same boat as what we were, you know, really disappointed uh, in uh, what was coming with the software. So we basically got a uh, club together, started, you know, l l this club. And uh, four of us initially... Um, oh, well, actually, three builders got together and said, well, we should put some money together and have our own software written. So I had to find a software house, and I did, and they were the quarter partner, so to speak. 
in the end, it ended up that the one of the builders went broke, the other one just lost interest, so I ended up buying them out. And I ended up having a partnership between the software house and us. And in the end, I ended up buying out the software house as well, and we ended up owning uh, outright the software. Uh, over time, we've had clients in New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, and um, Australia, of course. In every state, we've got clients here. So for, for people listening who don't know what Constructor is, what does it do? Building, estimating, job cost control, basically software in the building industry. Um, it, it handles everything. It's a fully integrated system. They don't have to have word processing, scheduling, uh, accounting, payroll. It's all there. So it's very efficient for a builder. Uh, yes, yes. And Russell, the good thing also is that uh, your son is now running that side of the bucket. He is, yes. He, he is a software engineer. He was in America uh, living the high life until COVID hit. Um, and like all of us, came back here reluctantly. Uh, but now he's uh, very enthusiastic. He's done wonders for it. Um, it's come a real long way. And it's still, still doing quite well. That's good. Very good. Um, I spoke before about you uh, known for giving back to the community. And I know you've been on a uh, few boards. Uh, so what is your general personal philosophy about giving back? Well, uh, you, you sort of, I mean, I'm getting old now, I think it is. Back in the early days... In he, he, he's, to those listening to this, <laughs> he is exaggerating. Yeah, yeah but you got to remember, I started working... 17 years old and nine months, I think, when I first started up Malashev Constructions back then. I never worked for anybody, had no idea how to employ people, no idea. No idea what I had to do. I still remember the first person I employed. And I still remember uh, I thought, oh, I need a purchasing officer. So I hired a purchasing officer. He was 50 years old. And I was wondering... Cheapest creepers, is he going to live? You know, like, and I was in my mid twenties, uh, probably twenty two or something. You know, back then when I started to employ people, we used to employ a lot of people. We don't uh, anymore, as many as we did have. But everything I, I, I learnt was myself, and I was in about every single friggin' association you can think of in Geelong. In my mid twenties, I was on Chamber of Commerce uh, on their council. Yeah. You know, master builders. I was on. On the, um, what do they call it, council, I think, on the Victorian uh, area. Master Builders Geelong, I was even the president. I was the president of Geelong Business Club. And that's all in my 20s, 20 or 30s. And then you sort of sort of get tired. But when we do need to do something and somebody asks in a good cause, we'll help. You know, buy a table, a yeah. charity, or buy some items at an auction. Or um, Unfortunately, we can't donate a house. But we were involved in uh, putting one together before, you know, but so trying to help. The, uh, the Hope um, Bereavement Counselling uh, Group's breakfast coming up, which Russell every year takes a table. That's yeah, right, and unfortunately and I'm not... And sends an invite around to a group yeah. of us. And, and I appreciate the invitation this year. Unfortunately, I can't attend, but I have in the past. There. So now that you've reached this really old age that you've, you're talking about... <laughs> What's the, what's the future hold? Well, you know, some people say you're going to retire and not. I really don't know. I, I really don't think I will. 
my dad yeah. worked till he couldn't. Um, as you can see, you're sitting here in my men's shed. Uh, it's quite comfortable. Um, now, this is my escape. I can do a lot of things here. It's just nice. Um, you, you, you need to keep busy. And, and I would like to get to the point where I only came in if I wanted to or when I wanted to, and if I didn't want to, I don't come in. At the moment, I come in every day, and you know, I've been slack. I don't come first anymore. I used to, <laughs> I used to be the first in. I am now the last to leave. But I still enjoy what I do. I uh, love dealing with people, and probably as I get older, I'll probably be doing more remote sort of stuff, helping my son in the software side, advising builders and things like that. And, and is your son interested in Malachev? Construction? Would he uh, like to come into the... I don't the know. I haven't... Sure? Uh, let, let's take one step at a time. <laughs> um, you know, I've always had this philosophy and I've seen so many people pushing their children into something, you know, and if they haven't got a passion for it and don't believe they want to do it, they're not going to be, one, good at it, two, they're going to be uncomfortable and they're probably going to hate it. And I've seen it over my working career, what I've been working now about 45 years and I never wanted my children to specifically uh, be builders. Now, my daughter's in dentistry, but when we were renovating her, uh, her house, she was actually fabulous on the tools. She was <laughs> painting, you know, filling up holes. She goes, Dad, she's patching up holes, saying the plaster, and she said, this is like uh, doing um, the teeth, you know. <laughs> she goes, I do this all the time at work. So, And then my son, as you can see, he fell into the position and he's starting to really like it. I believe he did. He does. And he's got the background, the skills mm, training. Because if he didn't uh, love it or, or maybe love is a bit strong word, if he didn't really enjoy it, he probably wouldn't be doing it. And I said to him, son, if, if you don't like it, sell it or, you know, close it up, whatever you well, like. Well, there's an interesting point there, Russell, now with all this um, information about artificial intelligence and chat GPT and all the rest of it. Uh, we interviewed uh, Amir Kutub the other day, who a young Indian uh, guy doing very well in, in, in business, and he's into IT. Some of the things he was telling us about what this uh, AI is doing, I'm sure that Nathan, isn't it, your son? He, he told he, me, he, he was showing me, yeah. he was showing me what AI does in a matter of, let's say, I'm, I'm exaggerating because I'm yeah. not a coder, yeah. right? In 10 minutes, what somebody takes a day to do, yep. you know, like it's incredible. He showed me some of the code. I'll call it code in yep. old language. He showed me what he can do and what he can extract out. It's phenomenal. So if we think that uh, computers are going to replace physically labor, yes, but they're also going to probably uh, replace a lot of the coders as well. You know, the physical uh, that we thought that these guys, you know, or even well, doctors. Well, the other, we did interview for our podcast um, Megan Rovers at Geelong Property Hub and she was telling us that they she uses it all the time and she writes all their ads and everything now, everything's done through um, chat GPT. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 what I've heard and what I've saw, a lot of uni students or students are using it to cheat. You know, using uh, to run their reports. I'm or sure whatever. they'll. I'm sure they'll be playing. And look, even I, if I'm using it, that means that anyone can use <laughs> anyone it. Can use it. Right. So, Russell, 
because you're you're running a very successful building company and people come to you all the time to build a house, what what are some of the things people need to think about before they come through the door and say, Russell, build me a house? Or why should they come to you and not go to some of the, the other builders, uh, the cookie cutter side? You know, <laughs> it's a very interesting question. You know, there's one thing I'd just like to say. It's the final price that matters, not the starting. Yep. Because what I've found and... and <laughs> You know, you sort of say, oh, yeah, it's going to cost 99.9. No, you want to know how much it is on the ground. And we, I mean, you've seen it all the time. You see uh, advertising really cheap, and then there's some fine print. I did like one thing about, I suppose, Labor government going back before Jeff Kennett. They produced a law or a rule that when you had a display home, you had to have at the front of your front door somewhere to say how much is this actual product, how much is the actual price of yep. what's on display. Yep. Now, that was a good thing. Then we got a change of government and that got all forgotten. And I'm not just saying it selfishly. I'm just saying that's um, good for the industry. I sometimes I used to go to, say, a different town to go have a look at the display homes and see. And I tell you what, I'm quite knowledgeable, but I get a headache. By the time I walk through, I get so confused. You ask, how much as is? You won't get an answer exactly. So what's the uh, question they need to ask? Well, <laughs> I would like to know how much is as, you know, as it is. But what they're specifically designed now is to basically walk people up. No matter where you go, you come up there, and that's look. Price is is the enticing thing, yep. and you know the fine print. You always, you know, terms and conditions and whatever else. And I'm not trying to knock that marketplace. So don't get me wrong. Buyers beware. You know, each yeah, you, you, you got to know. But I, I bet you that nobody has signed the dotted line on that front price. <laughs> that Mark, that's a bit like saying, "Oh, you want handles on the doors, do you?" Oh, well that's an extra cost. You, you want landscaping. Oh, sorry, but that's no, an well, extra cost. landscaping maybe is an yeah. extra cost, but side cost to yeah. plant so you're actually buying something yeah. here. Yep. Off the ground. Ask them how much is it on my site plus side costs. So you'd be very surprised how much site costs are and maybe when this Microphone is turned off. I might tell you a few stories. Yeah, I can sure. So, Russell, thank you. Wasn't that You're painful, welcome. was it? No, no. No, you were okay. So, Bill, I think Russell's done well. I think he's done well. And as you know, that we've always had a lot of time for Russell and we were really keen to hear his story. We absolutely. So, Russell, thank you. You're welcome.